There's another side to good health, and that's good mental health. I feel like we get asked this question a lot, and I, you know, I know that you guys have three voices on your podcast steadily, but it's always the question of like, how many of you fuckers are there on this thing, and why, <laughs> why, that, why that many, why, why so many voices? So the fact that we're doing a uh, a, a four-way pod, which could have been a six-way pod, is mm-hmm. uh, it's refreshing. It's definitely an interesting feeling to be on the other side of things for once. Uh, can't say we've done a lot of podcasts where we are the guests on the podcast, which is a cool experience. We're usually the ones asking the questions. So this is definitely a fun. Let's see how this goes. Yeah. <laughs> I think the the most chaotic podcast that we've had, and I don't even think it got released, was we recorded with uh, Gruder Girls and right. Gruder Golf, uh, the Gruder Girls of Gruder Golf. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't actually know what some of the files were lost and then uh, we were going <laughs> to re-record it. Um, so, but yeah, that was, that was uh, three and and four. So I think that we had like seven people on that call. So oh, was, yeah, yeah. Files are bound to get lost. It's like a, yeah. a, a, pirate, a pirate ship at that point. You're, just, <laughs> you're, be- you're begging for shit to get lost. The hardest part for me on these is like talking over trying not to talk over people trying to yeah. figure out like who's going to talk next and like you know that whole thing and the more people you throw into the mix just absolutely the more chaotic it feels totally yeah and i guess like this is a maybe a, a good initial point is I, I know the three of you record this podcast remotely tossing clubs how many times have you actually met in person so we have actually been friends for, for quite a while. So Frank and I met in college, which was around 10 years ago, and then met Aaron shortly after, actually in a completely different sport, like on a volleyball court. That's kind of where our, our friendships all started. Oh, wow. And then born out of the pandemic, we all figured out that we all like golf a bunch. We are all obsessed with it. We're always playing. We're always talking about it. Yes, we do these virtually, but we actually get to see each other quite a bit. Aaron and Frank are are based in San Francisco, down in the Bay Area. I used to be down there. I'm actually up in Seattle, Washington right now. But we've uh, been friends for a long time, been golfing for a while too. But uh, just recently kind of picked up the, uh, the podcasting game and have been creating golf content for a little over a year now. And moving forward, we've been uh, trying to convince Zach to move back to the Bay Area <laughs> just so we can do these in person. Yeah. How do you guys manage ahead of the call? You're saying, Connor, you're over in New York. Drew, you're in Wisconsin. Bradford's in L.A. Uh, yeah. Did you guys meet online or how did that work? Yeah, we met fully online. Drew, I feel like you're the Drew, the glue. You're the connector <laughs> the between all of us. Yeah, we so we we all met. Yeah, we met online. I mean, probably through through Instagram. I remember and, you know, maybe you guys have seen Bradford put out this series called um, Deer Golf and where, you know, he just kind of like he ripped off the bandaid on how he was feeling, you know, his his, uh, you know, all of his feelings in the golf space. And, and if anyone hasn't seen this video yet, if, you know, there's new people that are tuning in, check out Bradford's uh, YouTube page. Uh, this was this would have been posted in. I don't know, maybe like December of like 2020, um, Mm -hmm. January of 2021. So, um, so I found that, I found that video. I found, um, and that was about the same time that I was kind of coming back to the game. Um, I don't want to speak for everyone, but like we all, all three of us played collegiate golf. We played, um, division three, to be fair, we played division three golf. Uh, (laughs) we were, we were were all like the, the fifth or sixth alternate on the team for varsity. So it's like, none of us were, None of us were, uh, nice. you know, we're, we're going on tour anytime soon, but we all kind of had our own, 
uh, experiences in the golf world and, and all of us kind of took a, a break. Uh, the three of us all kind of took a break, break from golf. So for me, I, uh, you know, I, I took about a, probably a decade off where I only played a handful of rounds. I wasn't, I, I, I knew nothing about golf. I was still playing with the golf clubs that I had from high school in 2020, uh, when the, you know, 2019, 20, 2020 started. So I was like, I like golf again. Like I am, uh, like watching Tiger win the masters in 2019. That was really the, the spark for me where I'm like, okay, I, uh, Tiger was the whole reason that I started playing golf and, and fell in love with the game and watching him win at, at Augusta was like, it, it took me back to like when I was like 12 years old again, watching him win, you know, in, in 97. And, and then, you know, what does a person that, that is like curious about where you can find cool stuff on the internet. I was looking on Instagram to find out, there's new brands, there's new voices in the golf space, um, in Wisconsin. Uh, you know, there's not a lot of diversity on the golf course, unfortunately for, for me when I'm out there. So seeing it online was, um, it was a breath of fresh air. Um, yeah. And, and shortly thereafter found, uh, both Brad and Connor. And, uh, I think we all became very fast friends from, from that time. That's so cool. It's so funny that you talk about playing with high school golf clubs. Cause I still play with my high school golf clubs. I still have titles, AP twos that I love and I still rock them and they're incredible. I've upgraded some of my woods, but I kind of have a similar story. I mean, I I started golf as a kid, played on my high school golf team, never quite made it to the college level, thought about potentially trying to go to like a D three school or something, but it didn't quite pan out. But then Aaron and Frank also on our podcast have a bit different stories. Aaron was kind of in the middle, picked up golf post-college Frank picked up golf very recently within like the last three years. And so mm. when we think about our podcast, we kind of have those different experiences of when we all started golf, our experience with, with golf, you know, just our perspectives are all pretty different. Um, I played for a while, Frank just started. And so we like kind of bring in different perspectives, different stories, different ways to think about golf to the podcast each and every week. That's super refreshing because I feel like so much historically, so much golf content out there is it's from the perspective of people who have been playing for a very long time or, or their entire lives. And the language that gets used, if you come from that perspective, is obviously it's going to be more complicated and less inviting, less uh, less approachable for people who are new to the game. In a period where we have so many people, so many new faces in the game of golf, it's great that I think more voices from that perspective are being shared as well. And Yeah, I, I definitely felt like when we first started last year and you know the three of us are on and we're talking and we didn't always agree on everything then we'd be talking after and i'm like i don't like should we agree on every like should we have a united front <laughs> out there so it's not so confusing but then i think we all started to appreciate that we all have different perspectives and we could you know if we're like arguing or or bantering back and forth then it's it's actually more entertaining we're like you said bringing different perspectives to the same topic out there and just, you know, making it interesting versus we all agree, move on. Yeah. So, I mean, well, and like disagreement is like the pillar of good radio, right? Like sports talk radio is people just fucking yelling at each other all, all the, all day. So, yeah. um, but as long as you can approach that respectfully and it sounds like you guys are actually friends, like the three of us, I, I think we tend to agree with each other a majority of the time on, on our opinions on the state of golf and golf culture and all those things. And that's purely because we can't, we approach each other with a degree of love that I think, uh, is, is rare in like sports media in general, right? Like people are at each other's throats 
relentlessly in sports media. And it's a, it's an interesting shakeup on that. So yeah, it's cool. It's cool that you guys are coming at it from, from the friendship side as well. <laughs> That's what gets the views though, right? It's like those arguments, <laughs> yeah. those yeah. like controversial yeah. topics that show up on hot TikTok takes, and just baby. like hot. Yeah. <laughs> it's such a like highlight culture and like hot take culture in sports media. So, I mean, yeah, I guess we're, we're, we're both probably switching it up a little bit when we're all just like really good friends <laughs> talking about things that we enjoy. And yes, there are yeah. some arguments, but also it's just like we're celebrating a game that we love and talking about the things that we really like. So a bit, a bit yeah. more positive, you could say. <laughs> we asked this question to all of our guests. What is one of your core golf memories? I'd love to hear if, if you have one with each other, because, you know, like, again, Bradford, Drew and I, we've, we've only gotten to play together a handful of times. But those times, because we've spent so many digital hours together, times like this across mediated through the screen, it means that when we come together and actually get to play golf together, it it's really special. And it and it means a lot. The, the vibe is high. So I'm wondering if either of you have any memories, any core golf memories that are similar to that. Man, my, I guess, starting with a memory, a, a core memory of the three of us. We started doing, um, we started doing a, I guess, semi-annual golf trip, the three of us. Um, so twice a year, we'll go out, pick a one of the top 100 courses um, from Golf Digest uh, top 100 public courses list, and just do it. We just randomly pick one and do it. And so, um, I think the first one we did. Uh, was at Gamble Sands in Washington, Dope. Uh, Eastern Washington. And it requires, you know, we fly it to Seattle and then we got to drive for like three and a half hours to get out there. So we spent a lot of time together. And um, I mean, I guess the the memory that I have is just like, I just remember feeling like, wow, we're like three friends and we're doing this whole elaborate thing centered around this game around a little white ball. Like, I can't believe we're doing all of this. Um, and it, it's just, I guess, I guess just being out there on that trip, I can just picture like a couple different places, but just having that feeling of like, wow, like this is crazy, but I love it. And I think the other guys here love it too. Like we're having a great time. Like this is awesome. Yeah, I had the exact same kind of first thought there. Like Aaron didn't mention it, but like when we pick these courses every year, we do it completely randomly. So we're literally Sick. drawing a number out of a hat and it's one through a hundred, whatever number it is, doesn't matter what course we land on, we're going to go there. And we do it, it twice a year. Last year it was uh, Gamble Sands for the first six months. And then actually we went to Bethpage Black during the second half of the year. And that was my core memory, going to Bethpage, first time, incredible course, and having to basically wait in a, a queue in the morning. Mm -hmm. It's like five in the morning and you get there, it's pitch black, and there's like 45 cars of <laughs> like golfers just yeah. sleeping in their cars. They got pillows and everything. And it's like Bethpage is so remote. It's like far away from Manhattan, right? And it's like, wow, yeah. all these people decided at 4.30, 5 in the morning to go to this random golf course, wait out in a parking lot just to play golf. And it was just such a cool experience. It was nothing I've, I've done before. And then to get to do it with Aaron and with Frank, we traveled all the way across the country for it, basically because our random number generator brought up number 
I think it was eight or nine, which was like Beth Page Black on the list. And that's why we did it. And yeah, one of, one of my favorite mom, uh, memories from last year. The thing about that, too, that like sticks with me is that we played the black course on the last day of our trip. So I think we spent, I don't know, three, four days, something like that, a long weekend. Um, and we were sk- scheduling ourselves to play it on the Monday um, because we thought, you know, that's the best chance we won't have to compete with all the people on the weekend. But at the same time, we go through the whole trip not knowing if we're actually going to get to play the course that we set all the way out across across the country to play. Right, yeah. So, like, that was kind of in the back of our heads the whole time. We were joking, like, you know, like, is this actually going to happen? Like, we don't know. We're staying here in a New York basement. Like, we might just be doing a guy's <laughs> trip to, like, Queens. Um, (laughs) it turned out great but that that was definitely like kind of a stressor the whole time yeah that's the thrill of those kind of golf courses it's like yeah a beth page black for sure st andrews is another one of those where it's like getting a tea time is damn near impossible unless you know the right people so you're just rolling the dice and the the thrill of risk reward much like on a golf course is the exhilaration of it and and uh so I'm glad to hear that you guys actually got to go play it because that would have been a bummer if you had only made it out to Queens <laughs> just for the sake of going to Queens. Have you played it, Connor, being out in New York? I played it for the first time this past summer, actually. Yeah, I loved it. Um, and I'm also I'm new to New York. I, I grew up in the Boston area and lived in Portland, Oregon for 10 years for for college and then afterwards. And then I, I just relocated to, to New York last year. So, yeah. Our, our podcast is, is very graciously sponsored by the good people at Red Rooster. They make our favorite golf gloves in the industry. And we have a segment on the show that we call Get a Grip, where we give our guests about an uninterrupted minute to rant about anything in the golf industry that is grinding your gears at the moment. So I'd love to hear from each of you what that is. We'll give you some time to think about it if you need it. Um, but Zach, Aaron, get a grip. Man, I mean, I got one thing I could definitely rant about for a minute that I'm thinking of. Go off. <laughs> for me, and I, I feel like I don't want to come off as like, wow, I'm this really good golfer because I'm definitely not. I like, you know, I shoot in the 80s. Sometimes I break 80. That's always my goal, just break 80. But the biggest thing for me, especially lately, since COVID pretty much has been pace of play is just so freaking slow Mm. i just don't understand and i everyone i play with you know i'm like like even if you're new like and you can't hit the ball it's okay just but just don't take like 10 practice swings and then hit the ball you know shank it to the other side of the fairway and then take 10 practice swings and then like or at least like let's play ready golf i don't know there's a lot that goes on in a round to slow it down but i feel like people could be playing faster. Like there's just no way to play around under like four and a half hours on a public golf course. It, you know, five, five and a half hours is common and whatever for me, like the biggest thing is just getting that time, that block, like the, the more rounds that I play that are like five and a half hours, the less my girlfriend is going to be okay with me going out on a Saturday morning or whatever. So I need people to just rein it in a little bit, play a little bit faster, you know, pick up if, if you're at 10, pick up your ball mm. and we'll, 
move on to the next hole. You're probably not shooting a personal record at that point. <laughs> and, you know, let's just let's just all have fun. And part of having fun is being able to play without waiting 10 minutes on every tee box. So that I don't know if that's over a minute, but play faster. Get a grip. There yeah. you go. <laughs> Nailed <it. Faster. laughs> yeah, my, my gripe with golf and I wouldn't say this is anything terribly new, but it's still very expensive and it's just getting more expensive. And it's something yeah. I want to do all the time. I want to golf every day. But when golf courses, you know, cost hundreds of dollars to play around, especially the nice ones. And then my equipment is, you know, $600, $700 for a driver or like it's 55 bucks for a dozen Titleist golf balls. It's a game where we want to make it more and more accessible for more and more people because it's so much fun. But it's difficult when things cost so much money. And there's all obviously other factors here. There's inflation. There's the you know economics and financial stuff behind why companies are raising prices. But for me, just like regular golfer that wants to play more often, I wish it was a bit more affordable uh, more often. Yeah, there's a reason you're still playing your clubs from high school. <laughs> it's like yeah. I'm not about to drop three thousand dollars on a new bag. Like, no, thank you. Exactly. I think my first car was three thousand dollars. So, <laughs> if you're it, may, maybe less, <laughs> my my current golf clubs yeah. cost more than my first car for sure. I think my first sure. car was like fifteen hundred bucks. Yeah. So you talk to <laughs> sure. a high school kid. Which would you rather have? I'm going with the car. It's disgusting. Yeah. It is going to last me at least three yeah. years till after college. It <laughs> All has day, to. every day. My golf clubs. I had. Um, they're from the year two thousand one, and they're the Titleist uh, DCI seven sixty twos. And uh, I'm pretty sure they're just like regular flex golf clubs. And uh, I, I was still playing those very recently. So after getting the red after getting flex. Finished, yeah. Everything except for my driver was regular flex. And uh, and like I don't swing it that fast, but it was it's like faster than a regular flex should be. So I uh, I, I didn't like I, I'm realizing I could have been a lot better in college if I would have been playing properly fit equipment and not just uh and not just golf clubs that i bought from my friend's older brother that he didn't want anymore when i was like 14 years old so so yeah. that's why you're not on tour right now i mean it, you that's know, the I'm only gonna, reason it, it's, it's 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 because my parents didn't buy me golf clubs that's it connor what were your first legit set of golf clubs like ones you either spent money on or like were like the clubs that you played for, you know, 10, I'm assuming everyone here has played some set for like 10 plus years. What was that set for you? Yeah. So for me, it's, it's interesting. So like I, Zach and Aaron, I, I got into golf by working as a caddy when I was in high school outside of Boston, mm. as the movie Caddyshack would rightly suggest the caddy day tournament every year was like our Super Bowl as a caddy. It would be the end of the <laughs> summer, the better players, would line up and and try and compete for a trophy and the worst players would just show up and get hammered and like smoke weed on the on the golf course that we caddied at and it was like a massive blowout it was the 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 course was ours for the day after we got to play the golf course there would be this sort of like tin foil hotel hotel pan banquet um outside near the swimming pool we weren't allowed to swim but it was near the swimming pool so at least we could like pretend like we were going to go swim in the pool there was also after the after you got to eat all of the members from the golf course would donate their old shitty clubs that they were done using and their old bags and their old like golf shoes stuff that they didn't need anymore they would donate it 
to essentially like a, a feed the caddies kind of open auction kind of deal. So you would get like a raffle number as a caddy. They would call you up and you would get to pick out one thing. Sometimes it would be a set of irons. Sometimes it would be like an old 56 degree wedge. Sometimes it would be like a big berth, a driver. That was always the, the big ticket item. And then once everybody had gone through their raffle, it would just be a free for all and everybody would <laughs> rush to this like massive pile of old shitty bags and like broken shoes and all this decrepit old <laughs> golf equipment. So my golf equipment for, you know, the vast majority of my playing career was just like this hodgepodge of, you know, an AP2 seven iron that was like three years old or a, you know, a ping I2 driver from like 30 years ago. So I never had really like a set set until very, very recently. I'll say that. <laughs> so how long was it between uh, that first set of clubs and like your first, you could say like complete set that you're just like in love with? I mean, it was like years. I got my first set set of golf clubs when I was in college, I think. And I gamed that for eight years until like, four months ago that is something that's pretty interesting about golf sets is like everyone's story behind how they build it is so dramatically different i remember my totally. first set of golf clubs ever i was like 11 years old i went to big five sporting goods i don't even know if those are around anymore maybe a couple stores but it was like 175 bucks and you got the whole set driver three wood five wood the irons a pitching wedge putter I think it came with a bag too, like pretty good price, but it was definitely regular flex, pretty crappy golf clothes. But that was my first set. I played that for two, three years, really enjoyed it. And then it wasn't until uh, getting to high school where I started slowly buying new clubs here or there. I'd buy like a 60 degree wedge. That was kind of nice. Slight upgrade with a putter here and there. And then the big purchase was the AP2s. That was like junior year of high school. Basically begged my family for like a huge <laughs> Christmas gift. I was like, oh, I, I want to play college golf. I need these clubs. I need these AP2s. And I was super fortunate and was able to get those back in high school uh, and still have them today. Uh, still love them. But yeah, my first set of clubs, Big Five Sporting Goods, and they, they were great. They were awesome. It's interesting because I wasn't into golf at that time in my life. And when I got into golf, it basically basically coincided with like when I had my own job and I was getting paid. So for me, um, I had, I had like a used set, whatever, but then I got into golf right after college when I had like three or four months of being unemployed. And so I'm like practicing every single day. Cause I just fell in love with it. I got the bug and I had, I had probably played like, I don't know, less than 10 rounds in my life. But then at that point, I was just all in. So I'm just playing with these used clubs from all, like play it again sports or big five or something. And then when I finally got a job and then I got my first paycheck, I was I wasn't paying rent at the time because I was living with my parents. So I was like, I'm just going to spend this whole thing on golf clubs, Amazing. like a celebratory paycheck buying golf clubs. So I went I went around and um, the ones that I fell in love with were these Mizuno blades. And I didn't know at the time, but that was going to be something that you have to be really, really good. And I thought I thought like I was on a great trajectory and I was going to get to a point where like these blades were just going to fit me and I was going to like go around and, you know, play on tour and what I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> but, you know, a few years in, I'm like, man, I just life gets in the way. You can't practice enough to make like perfect contact all the time. 
And there's days when you're really not making great contact. And those, you know, those things hurt, especially on cold days if you're miss hitting. But um, Instant I, feedback. It, it was this. Yeah. Yeah. It was great feedback. It's great for, you know, learning contact. But so I got to this weird point where, like, I wanted to get more forgiving clubs, but I also, you know, I started to realize, like, I don't know if I want to spend that much money on clubs all the time. So I actually gamed those for pretty much 10 years. I just got a new set of irons um, last year. And, oh, it's like night and day. They're they're like just a little bit more forgiving. Um, they're still they're kind of like a hybrid blade. Um, they're the TaylorMade P790s. But like, oh, my God, they're so much more forgiving. I love them. And I probably should have switched sooner, but it is what it is. Hey man, I feel like you need to get the shit kicked out of you for a little while. That's the <laughs> that's like the only way to to really learn the, what kind of passageway. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, speaking about uh, like retro or vintage golf clubs, I, I'm I am really happy. Um, and now we'll go into the the Cole uh, Young section of the podcast when we talk about Metalwood. Um, <laughs> no, um, no, I, I I think it's cool that we've seen. You know, w- when I grew up playing golf, um, and you know, we're all kind of around the same age. Um, it wasn't cool to have old golf clubs at all. Like if you had the old golf clubs, you're like, oh, like, like, what are you like poor or something? <laughs> like why, are you, why are your golf clubs so much older than everyone else's on the team? So like, if you didn't have the newest Titleists or like the newest, um, uh, like Taylor made golf clubs, it's like, you kind of got looked down on, um, at least in where I, where I was. Um, so seeing how people now coming to golf for the first time that, that might not have that traumatic backstory of, getting picked on for having used golf clubs and now 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 vintage uh golf clubs are have been elevated to a place of of uh people are are like trying to find you know these uh like vapor max irons or you know the people are are like digging the the crates to find these these uh these holy grail vintage golf clubs i think that's a really great place for golf and especially um and and as as you were saying zach like it, it really helps that barrier of entry to golf where you know, if I'm if I'm just starting golf in 2023, I don't have to drop three grand if I don't want to. I, I could if I you know have the means to, but I could also go to Roger Dunn or play it against sports and um, and pick up a, a nice set of, you know, tailor made rocket blades from 2013 and, and get them regripped and you, you'll be fine. You like it'll be fine. Like if you're just trying to figure out if you like playing golf, don't spend a lot of money on it because if you don't like it, you're, you know, you're, you have all of these things that you're never going to use again. So there's a lot of great options for used clubs. And I think the stigma uh, is, is gone on, on using it, using vintage things. I think it's great. I think we're at a place in golf and definitely like moving towards a direction where you can really do what you want out on the golf course for the first time. You can play whatever you want. No one cares. You can wear whatever you want to wear on the golf course. That's incredible. And yeah, like we all kind of started out as kids playing on, you know, on high school teams, college teams and whatnot. And that was definitely not how it was 10, 15 years ago. So I think just generally the direction we're heading is, is awesome. I really love it. Vintage clubs are awesome. I love what Cole and Metalwood, what they're doing right now. Uh, I saw that they have like a, a partnership with FootJoy coming out pretty soon, which is a huge breakthrough with like vintage and FootJoy and such a huge brand and everything. And, uh, so yeah, I just, I think we're in a really good spot and just continually heading towards a, a great direction. I would love to unpack something about <clears throat> 
clubs. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> Drew, you mentioned that the tailor made rocket balls. I had the more forgiving, uglier cousin to the rocket balls, the, uh, tailor made burner plus irons. Mm, um, yes. they were, they were boats. They were, no, they had the BBL. Yes, they did. They had all the injections. <laughs> they had, they had every, every technology, too much technology in them. And, um, uh, I was fortunate, you know, when I, when I told my grandparents like, Hey, I want to, I want to play golf competitively. Like I, I really want to take it seriously. My grandmother was like, say less, like go get fitted and, and pick out your clubs and then tell me, you know, where, where, where to send the money. And, got fitted and the, the fitter was like so patient with me. He was like, you got a great swing, but you, like you can't find the center of the face for shit. So um, <laughs> he's like playing Marco Polo with the center of the face. Yes. <laughs> so he's like, I got two options for you. One was like a, a Cobra that was kind of on the same uh, plane, plane, you know, as far as like forgiveness and, and cavity. And uh, TaylorMade. I thought the TaylorMades looked better. Um, and boy, was I wrong. Because when I pulled up freshman year to the to the college team, they were like, yo, what are these? <laughs> They're like, yo. You got the, you got the Hummer of golf clubs. <laughs> you, them things got the dunthada on them. Like, they're so big. And they were heavy, too. You know, we were carrying bags in, in, in school. Yeah. And I had, like a 40 pound bag everybody else has yeah. got the you know the uh what's the what's the ping bag the uh the, the hoofer the hoofer yeah. yeah everybody's got their team hoofers it's light got all all types of pockets i got the team tailor made bag and the team bbl irons yeah. like <laughs> you you cared a half set not because it was cool you cared it because you you you're like would break your shoulder if you did if you carried I couldn't all 14 bear the weight. yeah yeah you're you're gonna give yourself like scoliosis from carrying all those clubs <laughs> yes i i would love to to just i i i donated them to a friend who was like trying to get into golf during the pandemic and i would love to revisit them just to just see like for nostalgia's sake like can, now that I can somewhat find the center of the face, like <laughs> what's this going to be like? Is it, are my scores going to drop dramatically or, um, are, am, am I going to like resurface some PTSD? I don't know which, which is which. <laughs> right. I feel like we've been having similar conversations a lot on our podcast about like when you should upgrade, when you shouldn't do fittings actually matter for golfers. Do they not? Like I wish Frank was on the, on the podcast right now because he does have an old tailor made rocket ball like driver and he's going through this like do I need a new driver do I actually need it am I good enough like do I hit the club like middle of the club face enough to to get a fitting stuff like that and I don't know if we know the answer like I think you just play what feels comfortable and up until a certain point like if you can't like maybe have a repeatable swing. And that's when you should get a fitting. Maybe that's when you should start thinking about switching your shaft or, or making upgrades. But uh, I don't know. Any you guys have any thoughts on that? Like when it's appropriate to like get new clubs? If you actually care about your score and you're looking to improve upon that, then I would say it's it's well worth getting fit for golf clubs because no matter if you're a twenty five handicapper or a five. You will. There are things that you can learn, and and honestly, I think the 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 more uh, the the worse you are as a, as a golfer, maybe the more uh, inexperienced or novice, you can actually learn a lot about 
the game from going through a fitting. So I, I had never been fit either. And I played, you know, college golf and I got fit for the first time like two years ago. So I learned like I learned a lot about my golf swing and, and like how clubs work. But I think that if you know nothing, it's a great starting place to, to, to do that. If you're just like going out to have fun and you don't care about score, like what, why would it matter if you're going to shoot a, 115 or if you're going to shoot a 95 like it doesn't it doesn't Get matter BBLs, so I, think, I think yeah what's your like what's your intention going into <laughs> like what is your intention in golf like are you looking to become a better golfer or are you just looking is this just like a fun pastime that you do with your friends and i you know i think it's kind of like the you know the the diagram of like yes or no and then you go this way or that way it's like do, do you want to get better or not then that that's really that's really what matters for for the fitting in, in my opinion yeah it's a choose your own adventure novel kind of, For kind sure. of deal. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally agree. And I, and I feel like what, what drives me crazy is how the OEMs, the club, the club builders, the, the equipment manufacturers can get away with marketing a completely new driver every year, right? A, a, a new coat of paint, a new Roman numeral next to the name, some weird brand name that makes no fucking sense or is like a terrible golf pun and can charge, you know, <laughs> $600 plus for, for a new driver. Right. Like that's, and, and, and obviously like the, the economics of the sport, like you mentioned, Zach are like, they necessitate that it's like the car companies, right? Like they have to come out with a new model every year because there's no, like they just have to do that. I don't know a single consumer who buys a new driver every year. Can you imagine doing that? The financial chokehold that you'd have to be under to do that every year, to buy a new driver marketed by the same company every year, that'd be insane. It's like getting a, a haircut every day. Like, I, I don't, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't actually really need to. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm Not good. Nothing's happened. Yeah, like, I, I Nothing's might changed. play if I'm like if I if I have like a, a nine to five, right? If I'm lucky, extremely lucky, and I play most weekends like i'm only playing with this driver 40 times you know like birthdays holidays Max. obviously like tra like right like you go hit this thing 40 you know 40, 40 rounds of golf and get a new like drop a stack like that even if you have it like that like you don't need it you don't need it right the technology is no different than the year none. before none wait but do you guys not want forgiveness <laughs> do you not want the paradigm yeah that's some of the best acting i've seen on a golf commercial by the way from rory <laughs> just oh like so God. deadpan forgiveness forgiveness <laughs> yeah for, for don't do it don't do is that he don't do is that he um aaron and zach as you as as the name of our show group golf therapy would suggest um our, the conversation about mental health is very important to us. And I'm curious if how therapy fits into each of your lives, maybe not even in the, in the direct sense of like going to see a therapist every week, but where do you experience therapy? Where is your therapist couch? Is it on the golf course? Do you go to therapy? What's your like engagement on the mental health side of things? This is so funny you bring this up because I was talking to my fiance last night and she's like, I've been trying to get you to go to therapy for like the last five years and I'm finally going on a podcast called Group Golf Therapy. Does that count? <laughs> and so I'm like, yeah, maybe. I mean, but um, I think my relationship with therapy has definitely changed a lot over the years. Um, 
a lot more comfortable with it now, a lot more talk, comfortable talking about just like feelings generally. You know, I think I grew up in an environment that was like, I went to like an all boys high school. And so it was like a very macho mentality. Like you don't talk about feelings, you don't share things. And I think uh, that's changed dramatically over the years. And now it's like, I'm generally pretty open about things and, and happy to talk about them. But for me, it's definitely been a, a process, uh, like a learning process over the years in terms of getting to a state where I'm comfortable sharing and want to share. And so I think I'm in a pretty good spot now. But um, yeah, I'm glad I'm glad we're having these conversations. I think a lot of times, especially in sports media, this stuff is not talked about. Um, and I really like the lane that you guys are, are creating with group golf therapy. I don't think there's another golf podcast, definitely another other golf like, uh, you know, commentators or presenters or media folks that are really owning this space around mental health in the golf golf space. So I really like what you guys are doing. For me, I guess I have a like two part answer. Firstly, I also went to an all boys high school and I also grew up not talking about feelings, not really knowing what that was, everything, you just kind of push it down and move on with your life, you know, be a man. And um, I think recently, obviously, growing up, uh, especially in today's day and age where, you know, it's, it's a little bit more talked about, it's a little bit, you know, mental health is a little bit more, it's less taboo, I guess. Mm. Um, but also just um, my girlfriend, is uh she goes to therapy and she is very the opposite of me she's completely out there with all of her feelings can't hold anything in and we've had this conversation a lot where she also is trying to convince me to go to therapy which i haven't um you know done yet haven't pulled the trigger on that yet but she's just kind of opened my eyes to how much i hold in and then but then you know pushing it pushing stuff down it doesn't go away. It just kind of builds up and festers, you know, and then mm -hmm. I'll have these rare moments where just everything just comes out and explodes in this destructive, fiery volcano. Um, oh. And I guess I never really, uh, I, I guess, you know, that's a little dramatic, but it's also kind of true. Like I never really like just figured out like what was going on, but um, I guess. So firstly, I, I, you know, I know what you're talking about and I can have these conversations but I'm not going to therapy as of now. But um, the second part is just like, I guess my general mental health, I've found that I'm a very like, if I just get away from everything, I can let myself kind of simmer down mm. it, or it just keeps me in this good balance um, mentally in this good state. And so I found that now that I'm really into golf, going to the driving range um, for like, you know, an hour, two hours, sometimes I'll be there for three hours. And it just, it, it really kind of centers me mentally just to have something to focus on, you know, not distracted by anything else. Usually I'm listening to music or something and you just get into the Zen. It's almost like my meditation. And, um, I've, I feel like my headspace is always just like so much better coming out of those sessions. So I've found that to be something more than just getting better at golf. It also helps me mentally um, just, you know, be in a good space. It's great to hear that both of you cited your partners, your relationships as being sources of becoming more comfortable sharing how you're doing in a given moment. I feel like th that's something that the three of us talk about a lot is that 
our relationships, our socialization in general is what is opening doors for us communicatively. You don't want to overburden somebody with with everything that you're going through, of course, like you need to have space for for them to process everything as well and, and share how they're doing. But yeah, to the extent that you can rely on your partner to be a, an inspiration for you communicatively, I think is is a great thing. It's funny. I have this conversation with my partner all the time, but I'll, I'll be like playing golf with Zach or Frank. And, um, you know, we, we spend, like I said, five and a half hours together or whatever it is. And maybe at some point, Zach is like, yeah, I'm planning on getting engaged. And we talk about it like in between shots, you know, so I got like two lines on it, whatever. And then we're pretty much focused on golf. And then I come back and I tell my my girlfriend, I'm like, yeah, Zach's getting engaged. Like it's going to happen. She's like, oh, cool. And she asked me all these follow up questions. She's like, how does he feel about it? I'm like, I don't know. She's like, is he nervous? Like, what's good? I'm like, I don't know. She's like, you just spent six hours with the guy. Like, how did you not ask that at all? I'm like, I don't know. We were playing golf. So there's still a long way for me to go, but we're working on it. Yeah, it takes time, man. It takes takes time. That's important to identify, too. Um, One of my favorite things, one of my favorite golf quotes, period, uh, is is just about men and their relationship to golf. It's uh, golf is the excuse that men use to just go on walks with one another. And it's, it's easy to get distracted by the golf. Um, but I have been more intentional, I'd say in, in recent times to use that time, especially, you know, we all got a million things going on. So when you're budgeting six hours of your day, like you really want to make it count, or at least for, I'll, I'll speak for myself. I want to make it count. And I spend time with people I really want to spend time with and really want to, um, like continue nurturing that relationship. I I think that's important to me because I don't, um, as Connor drew, know, (laughs) I don't typically venture outside of my, my chosen few golf buddies. Um, but it's because I, I built trust with them and we have a shorthand and I know what they're going through just like they know me. And I think I've only gotten better as a golfer as a result, because when I feel safe and I feel heard and seen and validated, like that takes the weight of the world off of me, even if for, for that short time. Um, so, I mean, it go, goes without saying we're huge advocates of, of therapy and certainly not ones to like push you in that direction, but to, ser- to share personal experience, it's, it's been instrumental in my like mental health and like overall well-being um, to, to use golf, not only as like a physical outlet and like something I enjoy and I'm passionate about, but to spend time with people intentionally and di- you know choose that time to dig deep if i if i feel comfortable enough to do that and if they are in a place to to go there with me as well um and i find myself like knowing them so much better as humans and that's that's special that's that's like you know it's not just about playing and shooting a low score for me it's like i'm i'm really making the most out of this thing and it's, I think it's rare mm-hmm. amongst us to, to have those experiences. Um, they don't often happen at a bar or, you know, if you, you do like a double date, you know, you're y'all are talking about other things and not necessarily mm-hmm. like, how's it going? <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's something I, you know, I like using my time for and, um, yeah, just I'm, I'm tossing that out there as a, a shared experience and, and, uh, hope that it, it, it inspires someone listening. I think something that was was huge for me on on therapy was kind of like switching a mindset around like 
why you're doing it. Um, I think for the longest time, I thought you go to therapy because something was wrong with you, right? And then someone was like, why do you get golf lessons? You're just getting golf lessons to improve your golf game. It's not necessarily because you're bad at golf or anything. It's just because you want to get better at it. You want to improve. And so I think actually thinking about therapy as a, like, just a lesson in, like, how to improve yourself, that was huge for me. Just that tiny mental switch um, changed everything. And uh, getting over that hump was 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 big on my, my journey. Yeah, I'm really glad you said that. It's like you, you, go, you go get a golf lesson to figure out why when you do this thing with your hands, the ball goes a certain way. You go to therapy to realize when I do this behavior, this tends to happen with other people or this is how it tends to make you feel. You're right. You're absolutely right. It's, it's, if you're interested in improving your golf game and use lessons from a coach as a means to get better, go to therapy for the same exact reason. You're learning how to deal with what you have in your your golf bag inside your head <laughs> as opposed yeah. to the one that's slung over your shoulder, right? Yeah, we definitely want to dig into some of our our uh, our classic GGT meat and potato questions. Uh, we'll kick off with our favorite question. Well, Aaron, Aaron, uh, what are some of your favorite golf smells? Grass, especially like in the morning, I guess the fresh cut grass with the dew. I don't, I don't know exactly what's creating the smell, probably all of it together, but there's nothing like that. I think like cheap beers are starting to remind me, remind me of golf instead of <laughs> like college frat parties. Um, so maybe a good like Coors Light. What about you, Zach? Aaron, we should have compared notes because I had a very similar answer. I also thought of like the morning do that you get on a golf course. I'm actually not a morning person. Uh, and one of the few things that gets me to wake up is playing golf in the morning and like arriving at the golf course. And there's still that little bit of moisture on the grass. And you kind of have that like light, fresh scent of the freshly mm -hmm. cut grass, but also like the moist, I don't know, like forest and trees and everything. And that's just like a nice, nice smell for me. All right. Let's imagine that you three and um, and Frank are rolling up to a, uh, a little tournament, best best ball tournament, group play tournament, scramble, whatever you want to, whatever your format is. They call your names on the first tee. What is your walk up song as you approach the first tee to hit your first tee shot at this tournament? What's going to get you pumped up? I'm going to go with uh, "Put Me on Something" by Pilo. That's a it's a good Bay Area slap. Um, I love when I go to a lot of Giants games, the San Francisco Giants, and whenever they have like Bay Area music as their walk-up songs, it always gets me hyped. So I'll go with that. I'd go with uh, "Sunflower" by Post Malone from the uh, that Spider-Man Spider-Verse movie. I don't know what it is about that song; it's just so catchy for me. Huge fan of it. Uh, it just gets me in a good mood. So I'd go with that. It's a vibe. It Post is a that. vibe. And uh, yeah, that's the first P-Lo and first Post Malone on the GGT Walkers <laughs> playlist. So I'm going to add those now and share the playlist with you. So take it with you uh, to your next round. And and your song's included. So when, when that song comes on, you, you know, it's time to go. But also, this is such an eclectic mix from all of our our guests each week so, it gets better it gets better week, 
<laughs> it gets better and more interesting. So I think y'all are going to enjoy it. Uh, share that with y'all after we after we wrap here. Um, nice. Can I let me add one thing to this? Just reminded me of um, answering semi answering for Frank. But when we went on that Beth Page trip, um, we had a lot of time in the car, and one of the songs that for whatever reason just stuck with him, and he was he was driving, so he was DJing. Um, the you know the song it's corn it's like it's like yeah. the song that this guy made super casual about like some meme video but he got stuck on it and we just kept replaying it he was singing it you know we it's, just like that became the, the vibe for that trip it has, it has, it has the, the juice, juice. Yeah. It has the juice. As a, as <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> as, as the as the as the father of a five year old, um, as soon as my son heard that song, he wanted to hear the corn song all the time. So I I'm, <laughs> I, I know the corn song very well. It's a big lump with knobs. Frank's not here to defend himself, but I'm gonna put that one in for him. All right, the corn <laughs> no, song is on the playlist. <laughs> shout out Frank. Shout out the corn kid. I yes. Uh, <laughs> um, um, okay, so so you guys, uh, Pilo, Posty, the Corn Kid, they all played, <laughs> and and you guys played out of your mind, and you won the tournament that you were just you know the scramble, the match, the Ryder Cup, whatever it was, and uh, they 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 bring you back the next year, and they're celebrating uh, your victory, so we're we're having a champions dinner in your honor what would be on your menu and you can source the food, any chef uh, and from any restaurant or home home chef that, you know, what would be on your menu? So I'm in the middle of uh, planning a wedding right now and mm. creating a menu for the wedding. So mm. I kind of have an idea of like what I want to eat already. Uh, I'd start with a grilled peach burrata salad. Love a salad with some fruit on top and some nice cheese. And then I'd have a panko encrusted cod Get some fish in there. Hmm. And then healthy. also a Korean style glazed short rib. Oof. Uh, and then probably finish it off with some dessert. I love apple pie. So I'd go apple pie. How oh, much yes. how much of that is on the, the wedding uh, menu? Actually all of it except for the dessert. We're trying Let's to figure go. out the, the dessert right now. <laughs> Let's go. That's, That's amazing. Just the wedding menu. Yeah, yeah, wedding pie would be an interesting move, actually. It would yeah, be. instead, of, instead wedding of wedding cake. Yeah. Might be a little cheaper. <laughs> true. Oh, true. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Yeah. Man, I regret uh going second on this one because <laughs> I was just gonna say sushi. Sushi's my favorite meal. I'll no, just That's amazing. Yes, that's I, amazing. Yeah. I'll just all the sushi that I can handle, please. And then, you know, maybe some green tea ice cream for dessert. Do you have, do you have a favorite uh, do you have a favorite type of roll or sashimi? What are you what are you doing? I mean, I don't I love the like 49er roll, but really I love like salmon, tuna. Classic. Kind of the basics. Classic, hamachi classic. is hamachi is like really my favorite fish. So any any kind of roll. They got so many different rolls out there now. True. Yeah. Um but just anything with one of those in it, yeah, that's me all day. What's in a 49er roll? It's salmon and lemon. Usually they've got either like avocado or some like California roll on the inside or shrimp tempura, something like that. But I think the key is the salmon and the lemon for the the mm. red and the yellow. Mm. I love that. that. Uh, appreciate y'all taking them questions because I always get them confused. Uh, <laughs> it's I true. End up, <laughs> <laughs> I end up mixing the questions. It's d- damn near 
70 episodes in and I still get these questions mixed up. Uh, so <laughs> what is the time on the course that y'all have laughed the hardest? They can be, they can be two different answers. Start with Aaron. Hmm. Okay. The the first time I could think of that pops into my head is not with um, either Zach or Frank, but it was, I was playing, um, this is like early on in my career or career early on in my <laughs> golfing life. Um, and, uh, we're driving up and I was playing with a friend who was not really, um, that good at golf. She was a beginner, whatever. So we, um, we parked the cart kind of in front of her. So she's, she's like ready to hit her shot off the fairway and we're like directly in front of her. And, um, my friend who was driving the cart, he has played golf all his life. So he's like, you know, very comfortable, I guess didn't realize how close he was, but she proceeds to shank the crap out of it. It goes into the golf cart, bounces around, somehow doesn't hit either of us and comes out the other side. And it just like, first it was like, holy shit. But then we're just dying laughing after that. And it's like, what are the chances? How are we all still alive and not hurt at all? I, I will always remember just like rolling on the fairway laughing. <laughs> oh, man. Rolling uh, on the fairway laughing is it's so comfortable. But new meaning to ROFL. Yes. Yes, indeed. <laughs> uh, I have a very specific location. It was the, the first tee box on Bethpage Red. This was actually uh, we we're on our golf trip to New in New York. We were playing the corn song in the car as we were driving to golf course, and we were late for our tea time. And so the entire time, we were actually playing this corn song, not to get hyped up per se, but because we were so stressed out about not making our tea time to Beth Page Red, and we had just flown all the way across the country, and we're like, we got to make our tea time. So we get there like 15 minutes before uh, traffic like smoothed out a little bit, run over to the first tee, hop on the first tee, Frank is up first. And I think this is the first time I've ever seen sh uh, Frank's legs like visibly shake over a tee shot. <laughs> and I'm like, Frank, like what's going on? He's like, I've never been this nervous in my entire life for a tee shot ever. <laughs> and there's oh just something gosh. about it, something about the situation, being late to a tee time. We were already stressed out. The moment you could kind of see Beth Page black over to your right. And it's just a simple tee shot. It's not, we're not even playing the black course. And we just all burst out laughing. We're like, we need to relax. This is just golf. Like, we just hit your driver. Just swing hard as, as hard as you can. And it really, like, calmed us all down. Uh, and then we were off. We, we played Beth Page Red and had a, a really great day. Yeah, being in the presence of greatness like that uh, is uh, visibly it's shaking daunting, legs for sure. So visibly shaking. Funny to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, all, I, I imagine, like, all the weight is like in his toes, you know, and it's just like it's got the shakes. <laughs> yeah. Frank Frank's a big dude too. He's like six three. Um mm. and he's just like a commanding force over a golf ball. To see this really tall dude just like up there moving a little bit was it's a funny sight. The calves were working <laughs> overtime. <laughs> yeah. It was a calf workout. <laughs> All right. This is uh this is our last mean potatoes question. What is your golf toxic trait? And I'll give you an example of this. This is just an example. This is not my actual one. But my golf toxic trait is I will only say good shot to my playing partners if my shot was better than theirs. 
That's a good one. My Just, golf toxic trait, and this is mine. Uh, every time I play a par three, I I think it's a one. Like th- this is going in. <laughs> it's gonna go in the hole. It's going in. Like it's only a hundred and fifty-two yards. Like it's going in. Like of course I'm gonna make it. Yeah, I'm hitting a pitching. Like shut up. It's going in the hole. <laughs> <laughs> like stop playing. I don't care what the green is doing. Okay, mine might be after someone says good shot. I always am like, yeah, but like it leaked a little right on me. You know, mm-hmm. I I <laughs> I hit it to 10 inches and I'm like, I was aiming for 10 inches to the left. Like I, that should have been in the <laughs> hole like that. I definitely like give off that vibe. Like <laughs> I remember um, early uh, last year when the three of us played at Kapalua together, um, Frank was actually getting married in Maui. So we took the opportunity to play at Kapalua. Damn. And um, I, was it there? It might have. It might have been a Gamble Sands. I forget. But one of these nice rounds where, like, it's the three of us were playing, and at some point, Frank looks at me and he's like, "Are you even having fun, bro? Like, I don't think I've seen you smile oh, this whole round." Oh, no. <laughs> I'm oh. like, "Yeah, no, I'm having a great time." But just for some reason, like, if you, I'm, I'm just like, I want to hit good shots, similar to you, Bradford, like. I want to, I want the ball to go in the hole. Like I, I'm like, Oh man, that could have been better. And people compliment me and I'm just like, so in the zone, I'm just like, yeah, okay. Well that wasn't what I was trying to do. <laughs> Honestly, the biggest takeaway there is Frank is a real one. He's, he's checking up on you. He's making sure you're having a good time. We got to get Frank around too. Definitely. I think my toxic trait is kind of like similar, uh, thinking there. I mean, I have a hard time having fun on the golf course when I'm not playing well, and I'm probably pretty annoying. If I'm not hitting a ball, not hitting fairways, not hitting greens, struggling out there and not meeting my expectations, I kind of like take it inward and I get all quiet and I'm kind of just like focused trying to get better, but I'm probably not as fun to play with. And so mm. something I need to work on, honestly, as we're on a therapy con- uh, podcast talking about things I need to improve. Uh, I think just generally trying to have fun on a golf course when I'm not playing well is one for me. I love it. That's, that's growth yeah. mindset. Yeah, it's it is. Mindset. I love that. Hey, and if you like, if you like me, you know, you you play bad for so long, you can't help but laugh. <laughs> like, right. It's it's ex, it's an expected outcome on the tee on the tee box. Like, I know this ain't finding the fairway, so I'm used to punching out from under trees. I'm used to hitting out of out of traps. Like, this is my golf game. So. It's fun to me, regardless. <laughs> when you just, think about you it like that, maybe it. you know. Yeah, you embrace yeah, you it. Embrace like. the shit. Yeah, <laughs> embrace the shit. <laughs> just give it a hug. That's oh, great. Man. I love it. Well, gents, Zach and Aaron, thanks so much for taking the time with us. It's lovely to meet, and hopefully, we'll play a six some one day. Pod v pod, mm. perhaps. Oh, let's do it. <laughs> Absolutely, definitely. Yeah. yeah. We'll triangulate. Yeah, thanks for having us on. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you so much.